Good morning, human beings. Good morning, jubbly folk. Good morning, November wanderers looking for that turkey somewhere in the poultry aisle. Good morning, crystal people staring at your crystals. Good morning to the phantoms living in the cracks of your groin, oh boy. Good morning to all the people still stuck, <clears throat> stuck someplace in your life, as if you're in a sinkhole or in a swamp paddy or some type of quicksand, and you're stuck where you're at. Where you're at, you're in a tar pit. You can't get anywhere. You fell into some concertina wire. You fell into a blackberry bush. It's not easy to get unstuck. Believe me. That's why my name is Mr. Stuck. It's what I'm really good at. And I suppose there's an enduring power in being stuck. If you're lucky enough, you get stuck in the right place. Some location in outer space where, you know... Yes, if you pick the magical spot that has already been pre-hit by an airplane, like in the world according to Garp, oh, an airplane hit the building, well, that's not going to happen twice. So that's one less thing. But you feel stuck, I get it. It's November the 19th. It's Friday. Friday, November the 19th, 2021, in the epic of Boblimtok. During Grinkin time. You can hear the scrubbly folk. They're just down the street, finishing off their whiskey. During Grinkin time. It's Grinkin' time. Almost Red Thursday. Are you an optimist, Mr. and Mrs. America? Are you an optimist? Do you see the bright side? Then I have some great fucking news for you. If you are an optimist, you should buy physical gold. I mean it. Buy physical gold and silver while you can. If you think we have a system of markets, you're deeply confused. 
you live in a highly tyrannical, highly controlled, highly manipulated system. It won't break down in ways that give you any time at all. By the time you know it's time to buy silver and gold, every dumb motherfucker will be heading for that fucking door. And I don't know what day that is, but I'm pretty certain you got a couple more days left. So if you're a fucking optimist, if you see the silver lining, go buy some fucking silver. Physical silver, not paper. I'm talking about silver Canadian maple leaves, motherfucker. I'm talking about buying physical gold, motherfucker. Don't use your credit card. Use cash. If you can, do private sales where there's zero record. Now that's private peer-to-peer, you fuck. Physical gold and silver. You buy the paper shit. You buy the shit connected to the government. And if some motherfucker comes at you with a knife and a badge, that's your fucking fault. Be smart, folks. For all purchases you can do, if you can do purchases off the radar, believe me, in the days and weeks and months to come, that's going to help you stay alive. And I'm not just talking about the Trumbo freaks in Washington, D.C. They're almost dead. I'm talking about the grocery store that sells your information to old schluggo. Schluggo and his game of Schluggo thugs, they got your shopping list from fucking Kroger. Yeah, if you can do transactions that are actually peer to peer which means don't bring your fucking cell phone, don't email your friends about it, don't take fucking selfies about it, don't go on Facebook or TikTok about it. If you can meet somebody on a dark corner to buy your potatoes and your beef and your beer and your whiskey and your cigarettes, and better yet, if you can trade a quart of wood for all those things, do it. But if you use their system to do any of these things and you get into trouble, that's on you, brothers and sisters, not on Uncle Dan. I told you, leave your fucking phone at home. And then if you come back and say, Dan, I can't live without my phone. Listen, I didn't get my first mobile phone till I was 31 years old. Okay? And I managed to be in the military up until that point as an officer and survive without a fucking mobile phone. So what I am telling you is you don't actually need that mobile device. Human civilization doesn't need it. It's something you want. It might make life more convenient. But since the deep state owns that fucking device and you don't, it's a dog collar. Stay away from magical elf tokens. Stay away from magical elf tokens. If you're an optimist, 
Stay the fuck away from magical elfin tokens. When the power's out for three weeks, when the food is gone, no one's going to trade an elf token. No one's going to trade a bitcoin. No one is going to give a shit about your fucking Ethereum contract when there's not enough food, almost no electricity in terms of, you know, it being reliable, which means it'll be off and on with blackouts and brownouts and scheduled shutdowns. And let's just say it's very likely that your shitty Chinese-engineered cell phone network and your shitty deep state Chinese-engineered internet might be failing too. No offense to commies and, and other dragon folk worldwide. This isn't about being Chinese, but I will tell you this. The crap that is currently holding together the system, a lot of it's made in China and the quality ain't that great. Friend of mine, you know, has been telling me stories about these manufactured power plants in China and all the rework you need to do and all the shimming to get a fucking power plant to fit together right that was made in China. And that's assuming the welds are good and that's assuming the metals aren't die-cast bullshit from old Uncle Glumpty Glump's car that was recycled from Detroit last year. We don't know. We won't know until it's too fucking late. But here's one thing. You can assume that all those industrial parts are as reliable as that cheap washing machine you got at Walmart. Does that help you put things in focus, brother, sister? Stay away from magical tokens. If your money needs electricity, stay away from it. If your money requires the deep state to make a CPU, stay the fuck away from it. If your money has to be connected to the internet all the time, which means you get to be tracked all the fucking time, stay the fuck away from it. If your money has a ledger that never gets deleted, where every public key ID, which can ultimately be linked to shopper's cards, credit card numbers, IP addresses. If that ledger is a forever ledger, it's not going to work anyways when the electricity's out, but stay the fuck away from it. No one is going to take your Bitcoin four weeks into a blackout, four weeks into a network outage. No one's going to take your Bitcoin when, when their kids are starving. I'm sorry. No one's going to take your Bitcoin. In fact, let's get more blunt. I don't know if this will be the Thanksgiving, but this could be the Thanksgiving where a person says, I'd rather have the turkey for my family. Now, maybe some motherfuckers will buy five turkeys and sell them for five Bitcoin. This probably isn't that Thanksgiving, but wouldn't that be funny? Because that intelligent motherfucker, assuming the world is still working, is going to go sell those Bitcoin, cash out, and buy physical gold, silver. There you go. But that's only if you are an optimist, motherfucker. If you're a pessimist like me, you should just, you know, enjoy the days of your life. Enjoy the fact that you're not in terrible pain. Enjoy the fact that your nads are not connected to electrical devices. Enjoy the fact 
that one day the people most responsible before the Lord in heaven will pay. At least if you're a Christian like me. If you're an atheist, you can only hope that these terrible people are torn to pieces by an angry crowd. But that's only if you're an optimist. If you can't afford to buy physical gold and silver, okay, think about the things that people really just can't live without. And, and that means with all the government propaganda and all the do this, don't do that, think about the stuff people can't live without. If you're an optimist, you should buy cartons and cartons and cartons of cigarettes. And I, I don't know if I would spend too much, but they're all pretty expensive now. If you can do it through a black market source, do that. But if you can load up your basement, and again, this is for optimists, okay? Probably should say optimists who smoke, that way at least it's a twofer. But um, if you're an optimist, you should buy as many fucking cartons of cigarettes as you can afford to and put them someplace safe. If you're an optimist. If you're an optimist, buy cheap bags of pipe tobacco. There's lots of cheap tobacco out there. Buy big bags of the cheap tobacco. Buy those rolling papers so you can make your own cigarettes if you're a fucking optimist. If you're an optimist, buy shampoo. The kind that women like. If you're an optimist, Buy female hygiene products, a shitload. Don't get the ones with asbestos. Get the healthy kind. Get the natural kind. But buy a shitload of tampons and, and panty liners. And buy makeup. And buy razors. Because people will trade to take a shower, to take a bath. Women will trade. I'm not trying to be all sexist, but I believe women will trade for tampons and, um, yeah, panty liners if there are shortages. And folks, this is, your, this is if you're an optimist, which means that things will get better. It's just that for some period of time, and we don't know how long Grinkin' Time's gonna last. Grinkin' Time, according to the ancient clown folk, was meant to last 80,000 clan. But Albert Einstein learned in 1910 that a clan is a multiplicated factor in tensor space. In fact, it represents a magnitude of time that undulates and vibrates within the spectral realms of the nine hidden crystals. Yes, the clown folk knew what would happen. They saw it. Anywho, if you're an optimist, this will get better. But until then, women will trade, and I'm not saying trading sexual favors, but let's get real, folks. Women will trade for tampons 
and panty liners and razors to shave their legs. I'm sorry. People have gotten used to it. It's like fuel injection in a car. People are used to it. They don't really, they don't really get excited. They simply expect it. So they're used to it and they want it and they need it. People who smoke cigarettes, listen, it takes me a good one or two weeks to get addicted. And I'm thinking about doing it, although it's a terrible path and it's expensive. But people will do a lot of rinky-dink shit for a pack of cigarettes. They will. And they'll certainly trade. If the baker smokes cigarettes and he's down to like one or two a week, and you show up with three or four, I bet he'll give you loaves of bread for a week. I bet he'll, he'll set you up maybe even for a month. You never know what a cigarette addict will do for a cigarette. You just never know. Other than basic hygiene products, there are lots of options to gold and silver. You can, in fact, purchase a number of items that will be worth more um, that you might be able to pick up cheap. Like, for example, I would go to thrift stores and look for walkie-talkies. Look for any kind of walkie-talkie that's rechargeable if you're an optimist. Because people will want to be able to talk to their kids who are walking down the street potentially or three miles away, whatever the range is. And cell phone networks might be, you know, they might not be working very well. They might be spotty. That's an optimistic, that's an optimistic way of saying it. Any item that you would reasonably associate with camping is potentially a tradable item. A good tent is a tradable item because people have property and they're gonna have family from out of town, especially in the country. City Mouse is coming to visit, brother. Assuming City Mouse can get out before the Skluggling, the Skluggling gangs come in, the Skliglins, the Wrigglin Griglins, the various Bronchus Lords, coming down from the hills, they're coming, they're almost here. <laughs> and they're coming for your bitches and your beer. Any item that you could reasonably associate with camping is potentially an item you can trade. Warm clothing. If you can still afford to go to thrift store and if prices aren't too crazy, load up on warm jackets, warm pants, warm fucking snowshoes. I know that sounds insane, but I'm telling you. Those items might be worth way more than what you paid for. And, and again, you can't think in terms of U.S. dollars at this point if you're an optimist. If you're an optimist, you can't think in terms of dollars. You have to think in terms of what you can get. For example, here's a good estimate. I'm living someplace right now where, you know, it's possible that the rent might be roughly equivalent to one or two silver one ounce coins in a couple in a couple months really it's entirely possible that if you bought a whole bunch of silver coins you bought 15 bucks i bought a one ounce silver coin for 15 bucks well listen the deep state mispriced it reality didn't and when reality catches up that one ounce silver coin might pay for a month's rent 
Now all of a sudden, you've taken 15 bucks and you've made it worth a lot more, haven't you? But that whole dollar comparison, you need to escape that bullshit. Because that's printed money bullshit. But again, that's only if you're a fucking optimist. If you're an optimist, okay, and you care about surviving, you should do your best to load up, and you should do calorie estimates first, but do your best to load up on about a year's worth of relatively cheap food. And the cheapest combo I can think of, if you're an optimist, is a year's worth of dried beans, rice, and multivitamins. The multivitamins are because you are not going to get all your nutrition from those beans and rice. But between the beans and the rice and the multivitamins, and if you're lucky, a squirrel you can shoot once in a while, and maybe toss in, you know, cans of, you know, uh, yeah, cans of chicken, chicken meat, you know, canned chicken, throw in, you know, maybe one for every week of the year, so to speak as a special treat. Um, but you should probably get a year's worth of food for every member of your household. And right now you could probably get, you know, that amount of rice and beans for a family of four. You might very well be able to get enough for a year for somewhere between two and $3,000 maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's more, maybe it's a little less. But the point is for a couple grand probably, you can buy your family of four a lot of time, and probably for a thousand bucks, maybe just five hundred bucks, one person can buy themselves maybe not a year, but a long time on rice and beans. The point is, I don't know what the dollar price of a twenty-pound bag of rice is going to be a month from now. Right now, it's probably not that bad. I mean, relatively speaking, definitely relative to places where you know, like Lebanon. You're already in Grinken time. Or parts of Chicago and other places. They're already in Grinken time. But this is only if you're an optimist. You know, I would also suggest buying a crap load of curry spice and turmeric. Um, if you can afford it, buy as much as you can, because adding some of that to your food will help too. But again, I, I don't know what the right answer is for your family. I do know that rice and beans, curry, turmeric, um, maybe some hot sauce, salt and pepper, and you should definitely have salt. Uh, I know that sounds really weird, but humans need salt. So you don't want to deplete your di diet of sodium. Definitely have salt. But the point is, the point is, it's what you can live on right now. It's what you can survive on, that's it. That's if you're an optimist. Add in that curry spice, because if you happen to get a squirrel, a squirrel or a rabbit, because you'll be setting up traps, even you city folk will be trapping squirrels. Oh, Dan, that's crazy talk. You're crazy. No, you'll see. And the squirrels will get smart and gone quickly. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. They're not necessarily geniuses, but they don't want to just get all killed. 
So they'll, the, the squirrels will, will disappear. And until they do, you'll, you know, that curry sauce will help. That curry spice, that curry powder. If you're an optimist, and again, maybe I am spinning my own paradigm here because full disclosure, I'm an anarchist, which means I'm a libertarian that realized voting doesn't work. Um, that's what an anarchist really is. An anarchist stops in Libertarianville and looks around and sees people voting and sees people trapped in an infinite hellhole, and the anarchist gets back on the train. And it turns out you just need to be free, and that's the answer. But if you're an optimist, I don't care if you're a voter, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, I don't think neocons or communists will understand what I'm saying, and frankly, a lot of Ivy League people won't understand what I'm saying. But if you are a fucking optimist, you, you need to start to learn how to solve problems without physical violence. Your entire fucking paradigm, whether it's blowing up people in Syria or blowing out people with fucking cops in the U.S., it doesn't matter. Your current paradigm is based upon fear and force. And I hate to break it to you, but in a world where the cops are gone or simply taking bribes or just not even useful, fear and force is not going to work to solve problems. So if you are in a community and you want to solve actual problems in a rational way, you need to do so without coercion and without force. And this is hard for people to learn because most of you motherfuckers went to public, you know, good Prussian public school and you learned obedience theory. And in general, you think everything works through simple obedience. Well, that's how we ended up here, asshole. That's how we ended up with the magic off button in March of 2020 and all the fucking stupid psyops, asshole, okay? If you're a fucking optimist and you want one chance in hell of survival, you need to learn to solve problems without threatening people. You need to learn to solve problems cooperatively. If your entire paradigm is based on force and fear and credit scores and throwing people in jails, you will be dead. If you're an optimist, don't do those things. You need to emphasize real connections. I'm sorry, but as someone who is a connoisseur of all the social media bullshit, Facebook ain't it. It's a manipulated hellhole. Twitter ain't it. It's a manipulated hellhole. Google and TikTok, YouTube and you know, Gab, Steam it, they ain't it. Mines, they ain't, they ain't it. You need to focus on real human connections. Okay, this means your neighbor. I started telling people this a couple years ago. I said, get to know your neighbor. If you live in a city and you don't know your neighbor, then you're going to find yourself in a very difficult situation at some point in the near future. But who knows when, right? When is Grinken time? I don't know. But I do know this. You won't have time to solve these problems once you're there. Once you're there, you're going to be fighting for your fucking life.
And the more that you change your perspective now, the better chance you have to live if you're an optimist. You need to have connections with people. You need to have social capital. It, this is not credit cards. This is not banks. This is not treasury bonds. This is actual connections, actual good deeds, actual reputation with people who actually fucking care. And if you don't have those people nearby, if you don't have at least one person within walking distance who gives a fuck if you're alive or dead and you live in a city, I would get the fuck out. But don't listen to me because I'm a pessimist. Right? And, and yeah, and that's the thing. If you don't... The pessimistic view of what's going on is too ugly and I've gone over it too many times. This is what I am certain of. And if you, if you disagree and think I'm mad, I don't care at this point because I think we're going to find out pretty soon who's fucking right. But this is what I'm pretty certain of. Number one, for some stupid fucking reason... People who have power on planet Earth decided to kick over the world economy in the winter of 2020. We don't really know why, but they decided to do it. There was a table, people were playing Monopoly, and they kicked the table over. That's number one. Number two, ever since then, we've been exposed to one type of military psychological warfare operation after another. The big one being the covid and the COVID is silly and stupid. It's kind of like the whole, why are there so many infections in the blue states versus the red states and all that other crap? Listen, none of this matches epidemiology, but it all pretty much ma matches mass psychosis and control. So what I am saying is the other thing I'm sure of is that you are being manipulated. The race war is manipulation. January 6th being like 9-11. Hell, I think Jan Stoltenberg of NATO said that January 6th was a threat to NATO. And given the fact that I think the NATO CIA deep state fucks are the ones behind that honeypot psyop, it's kind of Ouroboros time, isn't it, really? It's bullshit. So they have been manipulating us for almost two years. I am certain of that. The other thing, too, that the form of their manipulation, it's, it's not constant. And it almost looks like they're timing something. I mean, the best analogy I have is that whole sports thing where you either run out or run down the clock. They're trying to manage the timeline, which means I don't think they control the timeline. I don't think they control the schedule. So whatever the fuck... They're using all this lying and deception and murder and bullshit to cover up. They don't control it. If they did, if their, whole, if their entire goal in life was to kill everybody, you would have gone to sleep in October of 2019 and you would have never woken up. Probably. There are lots of ways you could kill lots of people very quickly. The food supply would be my choice, but... The bottom line is, if this was really about killing a bunch of people, this looks rinky-dink. It, it, it doesn't even remotely look like the missing 22 trillions 
was properly properly spent. And you know, I've been thinking about all the missing microbiologists. And the thing about having missing microbiologists is yeah, they can cure things, that's true. They can also tell you if something's bullshit. Like literally, truly, the inventor of the PCR test who died in August of 2019 said you should not use the PCR test the way they're using it. So if all these folks were alive, they might call all this bullshit out and make Fauci, the beagle torturer, out to be what he is, a grifter, evil piece of shit. So I'm, I'm certain they're lying to you. I'm certain that they're lying to you to cover something up. And I'm certain that whatever they're covering up, they don't control. That's all I know. And I'm pretty certain of those things, like 95%. And I'm 75% certain that we're so close at this point that all these discussions are just ridiculous, really. The pessimistic case for me is way worse than you might have to spend a few years dealing with higher levels of violence and shortages. That's optimism. And if you're one of those people who think the worst case is stagflation, God bless you. You are a super duper optimist. But this is not 1975 or 1935, and where we're at right now is going to be very different from all those examples. I don't think people are really understanding that yet. Every day, people want to think the worst is behind you, but I promise you, when the crack-up boom-boom part of inflation kicks in, you'll know that whatever a person says about their optimism, when you see them buying you know, one bottle of wine yesterday, two bottles, two bottles of wine today, and eight bottles of wine tomorrow, whatever fucking optimistic bullshit comes out of their fucking mouth, their purchasing habit is telling you exactly how fucking optimistic they are. And that's coming pretty soon, especially to the alcohol, beer, and cigarette aisle. I don't know, maybe they got warehouses full of that shit so they can keep people drunk and happy until the very end. That is also one of my beliefs right now, that they're going to try to keep every plate spinning, every pension fund working, every 401k growing, every Bitcoin crypto miner masturbating until the brutal, bitter last fucking minute if they can. Because I don't believe there are any markets, brothers and sisters, not really, not in any effective sense. And I think the system is that corrupt. Now you may say, well, Dan, it's not that bad. And it's like, you know, if you're going to say it's not that bad, I'm going to tell you March 2020, they pushed the button. Fuck you, Mike dropped. It is that bad. It's that corrupt. It's that broken. If you lived in a free society, Anthony Fauci would be a fucking joke, if not in jail. But you don't. You live in something else. And you don't have free markets. So if you're telling me about price discovery, this and that, I'm telling you, they have been fucking with logistics and supply chain your whole fucking life. They have been inflating your work and decreasing the value of your work your whole fucking life. They have been manipulating everything your whole fucking life. It's just that in the last 18 months, it went kind of fucking non-linear. And you haven't seen anything yet. Sorry. But that's if you're an optimist. 
and not a pessimist. I'd like to read an article from Zero Hedge, if that's okay. Headline, This is nothing like I've experienced or seen before. Uh, yeah, I was trying to be like Spock. Like Spock talking to Captain Kirk. This is nothing like we've seen. This is like nothing I've experienced or seen before. Supermarkets alter layouts, use decoys to fill gaps, gaps left by shortages. And this was written by the website Market Trading Essentials, but it was published on Zero Hedge Friday. I've got a little cotton mouth, so I'm going to drink some coffee. This was published on Zero Hedge Friday, November the 19th, 2021, which means today, thank God it's Friday, right? And ostensibly under the nom de plume, Tyler Durden, and I read on. While chaos reigns in supply chains... Grocery stores are trying to present an appealing and seemingly organized front for customers. To do so, some are turning to age-old tricks of the trade and developing new ones to cover up gaps on the shelves. That includes moving products to unlikely places in the stores. And before I continue reading this Zero Hedge article, I started noticing, so this is why I say it's not just about 2019 and 2020. I started noticing a weird thing in grocery stores almost 10 years ago. There, When I was a kid, you just didn't have one or two kinds of apples or one or two kinds of oranges. You almost like had areas just with all the different kinds of oranges you could buy. But I started noticing something about 10 years ago. The number of options under those categories decreased. Whatever, I can live with one or two, you know, apples versus 20. And the other thing is they started moving these sushi zones. You know, sushi. And this was right after Fukushima, which is interesting. Where there used to be produce, they moved in a sushi zone. I'll read on. Shoppers in the UK <laughs> said they, they have spotted bulky crates of beer piled into aisles reserved for prepackaged meals and boxes of chocolate filling crates usually stocked with fresh vegetables. One branch of Cooperative Group Limited, which operates stores under co-op, stocked refrigerated displays with shelf-stable HP sauce, and Heinz salad cream condiments so that shoppers wouldn't see empty racks. And I quote, We've been impacted by some patchy disruption to our deliveries, a spokesperson for a co-op said. Our teams are always trying to make sure 
our stores look as attractive as possible. And sometimes managers come up with creative ways of making sure shelves are full. (laughs) I bet you do. Businesses the world over are experiencing product shortages as demand for goods has rebounded faster than supply following the worst of the pandemic. God, I hate when they use that word because it's like talking about Bigfoot. Which also disrupted labor availability at food suppliers. In the UK, 17% of consumers said they couldn't buy essential food items because they were unavailable between September the 22nd and October the 3rd, according to figures from the Office of National Statistics. I trust those motherfuckers. Retailers say they need to maintain their customer experience as best they can to remain competitive. Some 58% of consumers said supply chain disruptions, product shortages, and shipping delays have made shopping more stressful. And 41% said product shortages and significant shipping and delivering delays would cause them to abandon a brand, according to results from an October survey by the New York-based trade association, ICSC, which represents retail businesses in the Soviet Republic of the United States of America. I added that last bit. But here's the thing. Abandoning the brand at this point, because basically they stick labels on shit. It's all the same brand. Abandoning the brand at this point means basically abandoning most of this neo-Stalinist hellhole, by the way. Just keeping it real. I'm going to abandon the brand. They're just going to put another label on it, you stupid fuck. You know, the aspirin company will buy Monsanto and you will still get poisoned, you dumb fuck. But I'll read on. For grocers, that means managing stores to at least look well-stocked, ordered, and tidy. Well, one hopes ordered and tidy no matter the day of the week, right, you fuck? Some have stacked whole aisles with items that ordinarily have a small space on one shelf. Others have filled gaps with cardboard dummies, including empty prepackaged sandwich boxes, a tactic tactic that isn't new, but one that shoppers are likely noticing as being employed more frequently, said Catherine Shuttleworth, founder and chief executive of the retail consulting firm Get Savvy Marketing Limited. During the toilet paper shortage, did you notice that they made a deal out of the shortage. They didn't put a lot of effort into hiding it. They didn't put up large cardboard boxes of bullshit telling you the toilet paper will be here tomorrow. No, they emphasized that fucking bullshit. Did you remember that? Just trying to keep you up with fucking reality. So when you understand why they do the boy who cried wolf psyops, they do it so that when the real thing shows up, you say, whatever, no big deal. I'll read on, you fuck. A spokesperson for British grocer Tesco PLC, which was spotted displaying cardboard photos of items in the place of merchandise in some stores, said the use of cutouts wasn't connected to recent supply chain challenges and that the pictures are used by larger stores for various reasons, such as a layout reconfiguration. Wow, that's some real Soviet bullshit right there, 
real commie bullshit. Meanwhile, supermarkets including Sainsbury PLC and the John Lewis Soviet Partnership of Communist PLC's Waitrose and Partners, just trying to keep it accurate, have been using signs to fill empty shelves. A spokesperson from Sainsbury said it had used signs to fill empty shelves in some stores before supply chain issues began. What a mindfuck. The use of cardboard placeholders makes operations easier for supermarkets, many of which are struggling to hire and retain staff, Mrs. Butterworth said. I don't say Shuttleworth. Mrs. Butterworth said. It's, qu it's probably quicker and definitely cheaper to put bits of cardboard in than it is to do anything else, such as reorganizing a store's aisles or moving stock to fill the empty space, she said. Placeholders also can shield staff from shopper inquiries into the whereabouts of items, Mrs. Butterworth said, and it's really Shuttleworth, but I want to call her Mrs. Butterworth. I want to read this quote again, brothers and sisters. It's probably cheaper, and it's, excuse me, it's probably quicker and definitely cheaper to put bits of cardboard in than it is to do anything else. I think inadvertently, Mrs. Butterworth just told you a whole fucking Mount Everest size of fucking truth. And, and so you can think of this in terms of little cardboard layouts, but brothers and sisters, ever since Norman Borlaug's quote-unquote green revolution, they have been putting more and more shit into your food that's not really food, including more sugar than you need that, yeah... You probably need, like, almost no sugar, but now your food contains tons of sugar because that's about all the fucking Norman Borlaug revolution can produce. A lot of shitty, estrogen-laden, cancer-causing soybean and a lot of diabetes-fry-your-fucking-pancreas, uh, yeah, corn syrup, you fuck. It's right, Mrs. Butter Butterworth. It's probably quicker and definitely cheaper to put bits of cardboard in than it is to do anything else. I'd agree. I mean, I can imagine baking bread made of pulverized glass, made of asbestos, having metal shavings. If we're nice, we'll add the cardboard for nutritional value. And I read on, and the, you know, because this is a good article from Isvestia, excuse me, Zero Hedge. Grocery stores in the U.S. haven't escaped product shortages, <laughs> harump, harump, although large companies with access to a wide network of Soviet suppliers, capital and space, have had more success working around supply chain issues without disrupting the, the, you know, the Soviet shopper experience. Well, that's good news. Kroger Company, the largest grocery chain in the U.S., said it increased its safety stock of items in more than 70 categories, sourced additional warehouse space to house the extra products, and spread out ports it uses for imports. Walmart, Incorporated also said it has diverted ships to less congested ports while hiring 20,000 supply chain workers. And I know that sounds like a big number, brothers and sisters, but meditate. 
and further automating some warehouse operations. Rump, rump. But smaller grocery retailers with less flexibility, aka small business, have struggled to keep shelves full and to plan for what items may show up on any given day. I've had over an ex- uh, I've had over a decade of retail experience, and this is like nothing I've experienced or seen before," said Italia McCarthy, general manager of the Dill Pickle Food Co-op in Chicago, which she said is dealing with daily with deliveries arriving incomplete or not at all. We have made huge effort in making sure we're not having these huge gaps. Well, Dill Pickle has been filling fridges with surprising products in its cool section that includes tofu, usually housed on shelves in the store's Asian section, and the shelf-stable products such as oat and soy milk. But there's definitely a risk you take, like... Am I going to have a am I going to have to convince someone that they have to keep this refrigerated now? Miss McCarthy said. Grocery store managers said they are deploying one of the oldest techniques. <laughs> Adding sawdust is is one of the oldest techniques, but maybe I'm wrong. Grocery store managers said they are deploying one of the oldest techniques usually used. No, actually, I think going back to those remains found in China. The oldest technique is long pig, but let's get back to the story. Grocery store managers eschewing the sawdust and the long pig said they are deploying one of the oldest techniques usually used by stores running low on produce to other sections of the store, facing up or bringing the new few items on a, on a shelf to the front so customers can't see the empty space behind. Wow. Another mindfuck. They are also increasing the number of facings or rows a certain item is given on a shelf to cover gaps. Matt Santa... Matt... Matt... Matthew... Matt? Matt Santarpio... Fucking these names today. Matt... I tell you, McCarthy, Matt Santarpio... Where were these people born in Reverso, France? Fuck. Matt Santarpio the owner of the Walnut Food Market in Newton, Mass., said some items that he previously gave one shelf spot to now are spread across two or three to cover up the gaps left by sold-out or unobtainable goods. The dill pickle has also altered shelving layouts to avoid empty space, Miss McCarthy said. If we see holes... If we see holes... If we see holes... If we see a hole, we'll all of a sudden make our best sellers have three or four slots rather than just two or one, she said. That's what she said, right? If we see holes, that's what she said, Mrs. Butterworth. You dirty old bitch. But facing up doesn't solve all problems, said John Royser. Well, that name's not so bad. The general manager of Weaver's Way Cooperative Association in Philadelphia. 
it gets to the point where it looks silly. Say if you're walking down the aisle and you see seven or eight facings of the same product, he said. Weaver's Way isn't troubled about leaving gaps, Mr. Royster said. The store uses signs to indicate a product is out of stock and directs customers to ask staff about substitutes. The store also briefs staff on which items may be in or out at the start of each shift, Mr. Royster said. And for Mr. Santarpio, the owner of Walnut Food Market, leaving some shelves empty is a tactic designed to keep customers coming back. Wow, more and more sideways mind fucks. Are you listening, children? He took over the business in January 2020, right before the coronavirus measures closed down nearby offices. So many shoppers are visiting the store for the first time since it was remodeled. Huh, I wonder if it got remodeled by people wearing all the necessary monkey herpes gear. I, I have my own videos. Imports such as Smarties Candy and Cadbury Chocolate have been the hardest to come by. Wow. I mean, diabetes, take a rest. And the display boxes have been empty for months, but still Mr. Santarpio keeps them on display. What a good comrade, Mr. Santarpio. For certain things, I'm afraid people will come in. See, it's not there. For certain things, people will get angry. They will pack a knife. See, it's not here. See, it's not here. And wind up not coming back for it, he said. Keeping the box out shows I'm making an effort. Keeping the box out shows I'm making an effort. I'm working really hard to fuck with you. I'm making an effort to fuck with your mind. Keeping it out means I can delude you. Keeping it out means that you, you won't prepare. Keeping it out means you won't be thinking about the wolf at the door or the bear that just ate your chihuahua, you motherfucker. Keeping the box out shows I'm making an effort to get them in and not giving up on them. Yeah. Wow. Brothers and sisters, if you think you have markets, you are deeply, deeply mistaken. Um, I think that little statement from Mrs. Butterworth about the cardboard is telling because I think the reality is they will adulterate your food to the point of killing you before they admit to you that the system is falling apart. Now, the good news is, I don't think the shit can last that much longer. The really good news is, this corporate food depends upon a lot of neo-Stalinist, Soviet-style supply chains that are currently falling apart. So the really good news is, that Norman Borlaug Green Revolution that quote-unquote fed the world, the whole world, yeah, that revolution's almost over. And you can say, well, Dan, that means you want people dead. No, 
I want people to have access to healthy food. I want the government to get the fuck out of the business of food altogether. In fact, I simply want the government to go out of business. But whatever the fuck you think I want, I want people to have access to healthy food. And the Norman Borlaug revolution did a lot of things. It gave us a lot of cancer, it gave us a lot of diabetes, and it gave us a lot of shitty fucking unhealthy food. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles, if you're an optimist. The stomach rules the land. That's it. The stomach rules the land. And it's not that original. Many folks who've studied history and society and economics and philosophy and other forms of gibberish, many people have pondered the simple fact that when you get right down to it, if you can't feed people, you're going to lose control. I'll also say this too. I think if you did a reasonable job of looking at the history of famines, more often than not, I think you're going to find these things associated with really terrible decisions made by governments. So it's not really as simple as famines just happen. Famines often happen on purpose. You know, there was a famine in the Ukraine in the 1930s, and it was not accidental. There was a lot of brutal killing going on too, but there was also good old-fashioned starving people to death. There was a potato famine in Ireland. A lot of Irish people fled Ireland because of the potato famine. And a lot of people suspect, and I suspect too, that it wasn't just a natural thing. It doesn't mean that it's an A causes B simple thing. It doesn't mean that there's some easy way to look at it. But I do think you could argue that there were decisions made by people in positions of authority that led to that famine. So not all famines are things that naturally result because the world is mean. The fact is humans are, in many ways, way meaner than the fucking natural world. And humans often set, you know, other people up for famine. Have you ever heard of the phrase, salting the earth? Hannibal, the great conqueror Hannibal, uh, during the Second Punic War... Hannibal went up and down the Italian peninsula, up and down regions, salting the earth. People would argue there are some regions that are still not doing great today, in part because of Hannibal's campaigns. Okay, that wasn't nature. That wasn't climate change. That wasn't anything God or the universe, you know, um, ordained. This was people doing shitty stuff to each other. So when you're deconstructing the question of the famines and the shortages, don't get caught up in, did the government do this? Chances are the government did. If only because it's an incompetent thing, and even when it's trying to do something right, it fails. So that, it's just a waste of time to, to get caught up in that. The real question is, how do you survive if you're an optimist, right? Next topic, let me check the time here though. I'm drifting all over time and space right now. But you know what? I might break this podcast up, so go out and get some stuff, baby. Go get some tampons. 
go get cigarettes, cigarettes and whiskey cocaine. Get some cocaine. Get, in fact, get some cocaine. If you got like a kilo of cocaine, if you're an optimist, if you had one kilo of cocaine, you could end up becoming the king of whatever county you live in within a matter of weeks with one kilo of cocaine. Now, of course, you'll have to you'll have to figure out how to come up with the next kilo. And that won't be so easy. But that's when you start making the biker meth. And now you have a whole county of Mormons hooked on your biker meth, and they're working for you. And you can send them out to scour the countryside for bits and pieces of rip-rap and jingle job and all the other grigglies that you can throw into a pot and shove down your mouth pipe. And that's a really kind of just, you know, warm, fuzzy, optimistic future.